Hi, my name is Esther, and today we're going to be talking about Jackie Hernandez and the San Pedro Poltergeist. Keep listening to find out what the hell happens. Welcome to What the Hell Happened. Today I am here with my husband, Mr. Lockwood, and we are going to be discussing a poltergeist case. For the record, Mr. Lockwood is highly skeptical of pretty much anything paranormal, so we'll see how this shakes out. So this is a story of Jackie Hernandez and the San Pedro Polar Guys. This is her picture. Jackie Hernandez is looks like she's coming off a pretty rough hangover. She's had a rough day in this picture. Is that yeah. like right after the Polar Guys, or is this just like a normal picture of her? You know, just like, hey, my if name's Jackie Hernandez. This is like her Facebook <laughs> like profile page, right? Like picture? No, this is like from the 80s. This is an old one. But if there were Facebook, that would be it. I mean, maybe. I don't know. She she looks like she hasn't slept in a week, so. She looks like she's high. <laughs> um, After you hear this lady's story, if you went through all this, this is how you would look. Oh. Not that she deserves to Do you be deserve tormented. it when a poltergeist, like, gets you? I mean, that's kind of the thing. Poltergeist, they think you deserve it, right? <laughs> right. I mean. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously. They'd leave you alone if they didn't. Right. There's obviously a reason they're poking Remember you. the poltergeist movie where, like, once the Indians were satisfied, they left? Yeah, but they weren't satisfied until they, like. Boy, they were never satisfied. No. Everyone deserved it. Right. I'm not sure why they had to pull little children through TVs, though. Because that was the way to get her. Okay. They held her ransom. Do you want to hear the story? Hostage. Do you want to hear the story? Um, This is another picture of Jackie. That girl likes to party. In the 80s. Uh, She doesn't, really, actually. I mean, she's young. She has a lot of friends, but she has kids, too. That's another freaky picture. That's freakier. Well, she looks terrified. Kind of like a candid photo. Well, yeah, there was a bunch of people wandering around her property snapping photographs. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's like a paparazzi deal? How about I just read you the story? <laughs> just asking questions. Just trying to get the full mm-hmm. Monty. I'm going to give you the full story, oh, but okay. you have to listen to it. All right. You can ask questions as I go along. Do you want to just make up an entire I mean, story about just... Jackie here? <laughs> well, we'll see if this story is any good, and then if okay. it isn't, we'll, we'll make one up. Oh, you're going to love this one. This is a good one. All right, ready? In November of 1988, uh, single mom Jackie Hernandez moves into a small rental bungalow at 593 11th Street in San Pedro, California. She would later describe what happens next as the nightmare of all nightmares. Already suffering from some emotional distress, pregnant with her second child and having recently left her husband, Jackie struggled to work a number of different jobs just to get by. She also was studying to become a child psychologist. So Jackie's got a lot going on. Okay. You with me so far? I'm with you. Okay. If you well, I don't have anything yet. Okay. Just check in. Raise your hand when you're ready. <laughs> I'll just speak up. Okay. <laughs> so Jackie had become um, a good friend with her neighbor, Susan, And while Jackie was at work, Susan would often take care of the children and watch the children for her. When Jackie first moved into the house, she said that she felt uneasy, like there was a presence in the house, but there was no activity happening at that point. So she just kind of blew it off. And Everyone I've ever known, whenever they get into a new house, apartment, what's the first thing they say? Oh, man, it just feels a little weird in here. (laughs) That's what everyone says. Not always. I, always. I don't say that about 100% all the houses I've ever of the time, lived in. Everyone. Did you say that? When we everyone moved? says that. Okay, well, Jackie definitely said that, but she also ignored it. She was just like... <clears throat> everyone ignores it, too. Yeah. Well, Jackie ignored it. So far, she sounds pretty normal. Right? Normal. Single mother. Working hard. Getting a degree. All right. So shortly after settling into her new rental, she received a call from her estranged husband, Al. Al told Jackie that his house had burnt down and that he needed a place to stay for a few weeks while he got his affairs together, which, good excuse, Al. Yeah, that's That's, pretty smooth. That's a good one. Yep. Well, my house burnt down. I guess I'm going to have to live with you. She's not studying psychology very well. 
No, because I would have been like... She fell for that one. No, no, Al. No. It'd be a big... I mean, if you're leaving the guy, he's probably not that great. Right. You definitely don't want to live with him. Again. No, I mean, that's why you left him. So, right. right? Obviously. Right. So she then why would you let him move in? Because his house burned down. Al, get a motel. Right. Now, if she burned it down... I guess she could feel a little guilty about it. But if she burned it down, why would she tell him that he could live there? Maybe she wants him back. I, don't, I think we're looking into this too much. I think she was just like, okay, whatever. You're the father of my children. All right. Whatever. So she's stupid. Um, that was Al's excuse. Can I live with you? My house burned down. I lost all my shit. So uh, Jackie agreed and Al moved in. She is stupid. <laughs> So this is kind of where the strange activity really started, um, other than just a feeling of uneasiness. Jackie recalls that the first thing that happened was when she had a friend over. Her friend was sitting on the couch in the living room, and Al was sitting at a desk close by. Jackie got up to walk out of the room, and she walked a few feet in front of the desk. At that very moment, a cup that was being used to hold pencils came flying off the desk, passed Al, and almost hit Jackie. Jackie and Al just stared at each other with questioning looks on their faces because shit flying through the air is terrifying. Is it the friend that is, like, giving this testimony? No, this is all from an interview that Jackie gave. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. All right, good. Yeah. First person testimony. That's good, yeah. Yeah, watch the whole thing twice. They were confused. That was very startling. Didn't know what was going on. Um, But after this incident, the frequency of strange occurrences grew. Because Jackie was pregnant at the time with her daughter, she frequently had to use the restroom at night, which I assume is very common Mm -hmm. for pregnant women. She says that she always woke up at night, but the strange thing about it was that she always woke up at 12 o'clock. Regardless of what time she went to sleep, whether she went to bed at 7 or 10, she says she woke up every night at midnight. I guess we'll believe her for her sake. Okay, let's give her the benefit of the doubt. It's early on still. So one of these nights, Jackie woke up at midnight to use the restroom. And in their house, they had shades on all their windows. And I'm assuming, she just said shades, but I'm assuming by how she describes this next incident that they're those roll-up shades. Drug house shades. Yeah, the ones that roll. Or like, poor people shades. Well, we like used, we used to have. We used to have those. Like everyone that was Yeah, poor. you just pull on the bottom and they pop up. Yeah. Yeah. It's but, one step above foil, just so you know. Where's, just, just one. Where's cardboard fall into this? Below foil. It's below foil? Oh, foil is a lot more expensive than cardboard. Right. Yeah. I'm a cardboard kind of gal. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like cardboard and foil is very suspicious. Yeah. Like, I don't understand how people who are, like, drug mules, manufacturers, etc., they always put foil in their windows. Like, the cops don't know. Like, oh, there's there's a house with some foil in the windows. <laughs> it's also highly reflective. I feel like cardboard would draw less attention. I feel like not putting junk in windows right. would draw less attention. Maybe don't hang children's bed sheets with teddy bears in your windows. Maybe just the regular old cheap pop-up shades would be best. Right. Blackout ones. She's, so she's doing it right. She's good. Yeah. She, she's good. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm glad that you approve of Jackie's um, window treatments. <laughs> so she gets up at midnight to use the restroom and she says all of the shades, which we've established are those pull-up shades, in the house went up. All probably. Oh, it is important to the story. I was just going to say, probably not important at all to the no. story. but They all went up simultaneously. Okay. Every single one. Every single window that had one of these shades, they all went up at one time so hard that they terrified the crap out of poor Jackie. I mean, haven't you ever had one go up on you? Yes. It's like having a bird fly into your face. (laughs) It is. It is. But explain all of them at one time. Well, if God picked up the house and shook it up and down real quick. Slammed it on the ground. No, just like you, you kind of pick it up. And then you push it down fast and then catch it in the air. And that would create the momentum of all those blinds to just release and go up. Okay. I mean, that's a really, really good scientific explanation if I've ever heard one. Right. Okay. So we're done. We can quit. No, we can't quit. This story really has nothing to do with her shades. But I'm glad glad that you figured out that God probably picked up her house, shook it a little, put it down, and that's why all her shades. My explanation is equally as valid as hers at this point. (laughs) I will give you that, yes. 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 Equivalent. I, I will agree. So 
Anyway, after the shade incident. Shady incident. <laughs> you ain't wrong. Jackie was obviously terrified. But um, within a week of Al moving into the house, Jackie asked him to move out. Hmm. So after he left, the activity really picked up in the house. See you later, Al. She Al's. didn't let him stay. No, no. It only took her five days to figure so out that Al let, was still so not she's what like she wanted. Less stupid. Still a little stupid, but less stupid. You feel a little better about Jackie now? I do. I, I think she, she had a moment of weakness, but she made the right call and went back to her initial feelings on the matter. Okay. And then I would assume hopefully stuck with it forever after that. But we'll, we'll touch, oh, we'll God. touch on You're that. You're telling me Al's back after we'll, in a while? We'll touch on oh that. God. We'll touch on that. We'll stupid. Back to stupid. We'll get there. But leave it at high right now. I mean, your, your hopeful meter for her is high at this point. Like, give her that until it, you know. Ladies, if you're with a man that's a piece of shit or just a regular old loser and you can't stand him, that's never, ever going to change. You only need to get rid of them once. So when you get rid of them, make sure that it's permanent. Just one time. Never seen it work out. No. And you're a good man. So I'm sure you hate to see ladies being mistreated. I've also, I've also seen ladies that hold on to that guy for their whole life. Yeah. And that really ends badly. Oh, yeah. Well, they're just miserable. Not like murder or anything, but yeah, just misery, wow. sadness. Sometimes it ends in murder. You know. All right. Well, Al's gone. So sometime in here now, this is part of the timeline that I can't really figure out. She had been pregnant when she moved into the house. And somewhere along the way, it was a couple of months. Like, she'd been in the house for a couple of months when Al asked to move in with her. And he was only there for a week. But... She must have given birth to this child sometime right after she moved in, because at this point, the child is about four months old. The timeline didn't really mm-hmm. make sense. I couldn't figure it out. So I just, just so you know, she has had the other child Also, at this she's point. probably been just poltergeisting it up for a while. Yeah, there's probably been some just, you know, lightweight shit getting tossed around the house. Yeah, but I mean. Yeah. So anyway, this child at this point, little girl, four months old, I really couldn't figure out where she fit in the timeline, but she's there. She's there now, and Jackie's no longer pregnant, and Al is gone. So one evening, Jackie woke up at midnight to use the bathroom uh, to get to the bathroom. Number one or number two? She didn't clarify. I thought you did your research on this one. <laughs> oh, I did. I did. Um, I mean, I could maybe find her on Facebook and send her a message to find out if you're really that interested. All right. You probably want to do that we'll before that she later. hears this podcast, because yeah. she's not going to like that I call her stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So she might not be very cooperative later on. This story works out to where she's not stupid. Well, we'll see, won't we? You're not going to like it. I'm just (laughs) telling you right now. I like stupid. Okay, let's roll with it. You ready? She gets up at midnight and uh, she needs to use the bathroom. But the way her house is set up, it's a small bungalow. There is one bathroom and you have to go through a bedroom to get to oh, this I've bathroom. Oh, I've seen houses like that. Yeah, oh. it's one of those. It's the worst, We right? kind of lived in one, except we didn't have the through the bedroom bathroom right. deal. If you have to go through another person's bedroom or through another space to get to the bathroom, it it's stinks. It's pretty... Literally. Sometimes it really stinks. <laughs> Sometimes it really stinks, especially if it's your bedroom that they're locking through. <laughs> so, then your bedroom stinks, yeah. too. Then it just smells like turds. <laughs> We're five. Okay, so she has to walk through this bedroom. Well, this bedroom happens to be her children's bedroom. The crib is in there. There's a set of bunk beds, and her son sleeps on the top bunk bed. I think he was about four at this time. How many kids? Three? Two. Um, So, actually, here is a picture of the house that she lived in. Very small house. Not bad. No, it's fine. It's just a tiny, tiny house. Okay, for her and... Did we already discuss what state this was? Two small children. Yeah, it's in California. Oh, yeah, that looks like a California house. Yep. They still look like that, but they cost $3 million now. Yeah, I actually Google Maps searched it. Oh, did you? And I looked at it. Has it been updated? Yeah, I mean, it looks uh, cleaned up and painted and and whatnot, but... Did you Zillow it? It's still there. No, I didn't. You should have. Um, so anyway, she has to walk through this bedroom to get to the bathroom. And as she's walking through the bedroom, which happens to be her children's bedroom, she glances over and she sees an apparition of an old man who was very thin and corpse-like, but she said he was solid. He wasn't transparent. She couldn't see through him. He seemed like a real solid person. 
he was sitting on the bottom bunk. Her son was sleeping on the top bunk. She described the way he was sitting as cross-legged. Now, I don't know if that means he just had one leg crossed over the other or he was sitting cross-legged. Like Indian style? Yeah, on the bed. And then she also describes his clothing as him wearing gray pants, a red flannel shirt, and work boots. So, Definitely like, from Seattle very or 90s grunge, um, even though this was 1988, but... Oh, well, that was... It was That's close how enough. everyone dresses in Portland and Seattle. Yeah. So, um, when Before she... Before there was grunge. Yeah. That's how they dressed. Oh, so... So, yeah. So, she described him It's and, also how they dress still. Right. She described him, but he's... Let me remind you. He's an old, shriveled, corpse-like yeah. man wearing 90s grunge clothes, which I found highly fascinating. So... Jackie also said that he resembled Jack Alberston, but evil and angry. Do you know who Jack Alberston is? You know, I don't know who any fucking person is. Okay. I'm going to show you who Jack Alberston is. This is who she said this man resembles in 90s grunge clothes. Oh, nice. Grandpa. Uh, So Jack Alberston was Grandpa Joe in the original Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. So according to Jackie, she saw a dead, evil, angry Grandpa Joe dressed like a 90s grunge rocker sitting on the bed. 1988? Yes. What year did Charlie and the Chocolate Factory come out? The original? I'm not certain. 70s? 70s? You know, it was on daytime TV and on TBS and TNT. Oh, TNT. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Movies all the time. When you have a couple of kids and you're at home, what do you do? Leave that dumb TV on all day. What does this have to do with Grandpa Joe? Because she just saw him like a million times on the television right before she's claiming he's in her bedroom or kid's bedroom. I would love to see Grandpa Joe in grunge clothing on my bed. I mean, not pretty grungy clothing in that. Well, well, it's funny that she said it was him and he was on a bed and in the movie he can't get out of the bed. I mean, I mean, you might be right. That was really funny when I when she said it. I was just like, that is really what where you're going with this. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, uh, she was in a little bit of a panic, and she ran to her neighbor Susan's house. Susan said that Jackie was in a state of disarray, and she calmed Jackie down, and Jackie told Susan about the apparition, a.k.a. Grandpa Jackie. I mean, I don't want to be rude, but every picture I've seen of Jackie, she looks like she's in disarray. <laughs> she she does indeed. Just saying. But she's she's been going through some things. Sorry, Jackie. And grunge Grandpa Joe broke into her house, so she's a little distraught. So she told Susan about the apparition and that over the past few days there had been strange knocking sounds coming from her attic. She had been pushed or touched on numerous occasions as well. So she's getting all kinds of stuff going Mm. on in this house, but uh, the apparition was pretty much the last straw for just dealing with it. At one point, Jackie, along with her friend Chrissy, decided to go up in the attic. I mean, I approve of that. That's what you should do. Go find out what's going on. I'm not doing that. I I don't like attics. <laughs> I don't. Have you ever been attacked in an attic? No, because I don't go in attics. Have you ever been in an attic? Yes. Didn't you live in an attic for 10 years? Oh, the old house? Yeah. No, the attic was like the little crawl spaces that was beyond an attic. that. The whole thing's a... No, it wasn't. That is an upper level. The little the little doors. The also, little... the John Malkovich doors were all in the room, four of them. Right, but I wasn't living in there. That's the attic. Yeah, but I mean, whenever the gremlins would peek out of them, it didn't seem to bother you very much. I really hate you right now. You don't want me to ever sleep again, do you? Well, fortunately, there's no of those. Well, there is one in the closet. Yeah, it's, it's your closet, It's on the ceiling. Though. It's going to get you first. Did you ever hear the... In the middle of the night? No, because there's nothing up there. I did peek up in that And then attic. there's a... Yeah, raccoons. Around the house, and then... I hate you so much. So, uh, Jackie and her friend Chrissy decide that they're going to go up in the attic. And her reason for doing this was that a friend of hers who lived in an old house had gone up into her attic and found some money that had been stashed away by the previous tenants. Oh, money in the attic story? I will say that I have never found anything good in an attic ever. I've never found Um, money anywhere. No, no. And I I do a lot of thrifting and estate sailing, and I have never found any money in anything. I have disassembled a million picture frames, and there has never been a letter 
Nothing good. A dollar? Not even a buck. Nope. Not even a sticky note. Nope. I would love to find, like, a trunk of vintage clothing in an attic. I think that would be great. But I would not want to go up in the attic to find the trunk of vintage clothing because... I think I know why it's a movie cliche. Because if Because it never happens and everyone wants it to happen. Right. Right. But I also would probably not open the trunk for fear of... Poltergeist escape? Dolls and clowns. Dolls and clowns. Yeah. Attics are a good place for dolls and clowns. So, doing that. Anyway. So, Jackie thought... Hell, I'll go check my attic. I am on welfare. I'm a struggling struggling mother. I'm going to see if somebody left me some money in my attic. Do you think Mr. Albertson left it there? I don't think Grandpa Joe left her money. (laughs) Charlie, I got a dollar. (laughs) Why don't you get one one more of those candy bars? Did Grandpa come up with the the candy bar in the movie, or did he give him the dollar and send him to go get it? Um. So no, a Grandpa Joe had given Charlie a candy bar for his birthday. Yeah, and, and there was no ticket. And, and in there it. was no ticket in it. But um. So Charlie, oh, he found uh he found a coin, a dollar in the like sewer grate, oh. and he fished it out, and he went and bought some candy, and then he bought another candy bar and opened it. And yeah. It there, that, so. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, even if uh, Jackie here finds a candy bar in her attic, that would be better than anything I've ever found. But all we know is that if Grandpa gave her a candy bar, it would not be a winner. No. But it would be, it would have a lot of well-meaning thoughts attached to it. Yes, I mean, sentimental value. Unless it's Poltergeist Grandpa, and then it's going to be a lot of negative Grungy. Evil, grungy, <laughs> hate-filled thoughts attached to the candy bar. Right. E- or evil the money in the attic. Yeah. That was his. Could be cursed. Because the poltergeist says, the person, I, they deserve to be punished by me. And how better than to decide and really justify yourself by letting them steal your money from you. <laughs> now you really deserve it. <laughs> yeah, right? You stole this money. Sometimes you go places... And I think I'm definitely editing this out. And then it's funny. So now I have to leave the whole thing in and it makes me angry. Jackie's going to go find her chocolate bar or her $10 or whatever's in the attic. The entrance to this attic is in the laundry room. Okay. And it is basically a picture here. It is basically a hole. <laughs> Who's that guy? Hold on. We'll get there. Is that Al? No. Oh. <laughs> that is not Al. Um, That's kind of what I thought Al would look like. I don't actually have pictures of Al. The entrance to the attic is basically just a hole. It's in the laundry room. It's a hole in the ceiling. I can tell by the picture. I guess it's a small hole. Yes. Barely bigger than a It's about 18 inches wide through. and about maybe 11 inches I am glad you're it's here small. to man measure the like hole with you, your eyes. There is no way I could ever climb through that hole. No, no, I would be the you unfortunate could one going climb through in. that hole. I mean, I can get through the one in your closet here, so I can bigger than that. I mean, because pre- it's it's rectangular and it's very thin. Pre-COVID, I could have fit in that hole. <laughs> not anymore, though. Um. So anyway, it is yes, not a very big hole. It is located in the laundry room. And it is right above the washer. So in order to get up there, you would either need a ladder to stand on. There are no steps that fold down out of this. It's not like one of those creepy ass hallway stair trapdoor things. Or you would have to stand on the washer and get up, get up in there, <laughs> which apparently Jackie is going to do. Um, so Jackie gets up and she stands up on the washer and she opens the trap door. They call it a trap door, but I'm not, to me, it doesn't seem like a trap door. It's just got like a piece of wood that slides over it and slides back. I don't think there's really a door on it from what I've seen. Well, that's um, kind of a trap door. Sort of, I guess. I just think of like a trap door that like, people falling down into and being eaten by yeah, alligators. Like Dr. Evil's yeah. lever pull. Yeah. You fall through. Yeah. Jabba the Hutt's. Yes. Trap door. Then you got to battle a giant monster. Yes. To get in there. I don't consider this a trap door. She gets on the washer and she sticks her head up in this hole and it's pitch black up there. And she is looking around and as she's doing this, she feels like someone is staring at the back of her head. 
She feels like she's being looked at. Just the thought of sticking my head up into a dark attic, not being able to see all the way around me is a terrifying thought. So I don't know how much of what she felt was legitimate or how much of it was just like, this attics are creepy and dark. Did you ever run up stairs from the basement with all the lights off? Feel Um, like you're being chased? Yeah, when I was a kid. That's what I'm saying. I don't know how much of this is just her being afraid. 100%. Okay. Hold that thought. There's more. So as Jackie turns around to look behind her, uh, she sees nothing but darkness. But as she is turning back around and looking at the far side of the attic, she sees what she describes as a floating disembodied head. Cool. The head begins to quickly move across the attic straight for Jackie. Her legs go weak and she, being in shock, ducks down and pushes the cover back. She describes the head as that of a chubby man or just a chubby man head flying full, full speed at her. I mean, that would scare me. Any of it. You have no input on this. Do I need to agree with that? Like, isn't no. that obvious that everyone? I would just thought feel you would have way? something sassy to say. <laughs> all right. So at this point, Susan, um, her neighbor, after hearing all of this, knew that Jackie and her children needed help. So Susan called a respected parapsychologist, Dr. Barry Taff, that she had seen on TV earlier in the cool. year. And decided to give him a call. And I'm pretty sure I've seen Dr. Barry Taff on TV before. You think so? I think he's one of those shysters. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I'm sure he's on. What? What? What's? No, it says he's respected. Actually, I, I looked him up. Oh wait, here, Barry Taft. That's what I was looking at. Respected by whom? Uh, Barry Taft, who holds doctorate in the doctorate in psychology with a minor in biomedical engineering. That sounds cool. And he is a world-renowned parapsychologist who worked out of UCLA's former parapsychology laboratory in 1969 through 1978. Yeah, he was probably working on the experiments where they were trying to do like remote viewing and shit like that. Mm-hmm. It said during his 35 plus year career, he investigated more than 4,000 cases of ghosts, hauntings, poltergeists, and conducted extensive studies in telepathy and precognition, uh-huh. which led to the development and the initial protocols and methodologies for uh, reality television. What was later termed remote viewing. How do I know? Because you're psychic. <laughs> <laughs> because I knew what they were doing in Stanford in the late sixties. Right, right. So there they you were go. also uh, doing some LSD. That might have been more Berkeley, but I'm sure there was some LSD around, too. (laughs) There is a little information on Dr. Barry Taff. So, Susan calls him, and she explains to him what was going on and that Jackie urgently needed some answers. She also told him that Jackie was afraid to go back into her own house and that she had two small children who were also involved in this. And I left them there, by the way. Right, it did. It, when she was telling the story, she did not seem to take her children with her when she when she fled from the house originally. But <laughs> um, I mean, Grandpa Joe was there. It was I mean, be better fine, you right? than me, kids. Grandpa Joe's here. You'll be fine. You won't remember this stuff by the time you're all grown up. He'll uh, he'll hide some candy bars in your room somewhere. And you'll yeah. be fine. On August eighth, nineteen eighty nine. Dr. Barry Taff showed up to the residence, and he brought with him his friend and cameraman, Barry Conrad. He also brought a gentleman named Jeff Wheatcraft and a man named Larry Brooks, who were also interested in investigating the paranormal. Jackie recounts all of the incidences to the four men, and she spoke of being the target of objects thrown at her from an unseen Mm. force mysterious moaning and breathing noises and of a strange liquid that oozed from the walls and dripped from the cabinets. (laughs) I knew you would love that. I knew you would love it. So the researchers listened to what she Don't leave old potatoes in your fucking cupboard. (laughs) Done. Oh no. Don't leave cauliflower in your fridge. Oh yeah. That's... That was the worst one. Yeah. Cauliflower is stinky when it's fresh. So... (laughs) It's a really bad oh, one. Yeah. It's not fresh. It smells like poop. Yeah. I mean, I like it. It tastes good, but it smells bad. When it's rotten. Oh, not when. when it's fresh. No. 
So anyway, the researchers, they listened to what she had to say and they split up and began preliminary look around the house. They did take samples of the liquid that was oozing from the walls and the cabinets. Oh, it was still there? Yeah. They could still find oh, well, it. Oh, like, that's good. I'm she, glad they got a sample. Uh, I'm pretty sure she would clean it up and then... Catch it. It would come back. Like, okay. it just kept happening. They scooped up the liquid and they sent it out for analysis at a local lab. The results did come back weeks later and they were pretty surprising and weird. The liquid oozing from the walls was confirmed to be human male blood plasma containing heavy traces of copper and iodine. How about that? Yeah. Guess I'll say about that. No, you don't. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Boom. I would have to see the report. You're speechless. <laughs> to not know if this is complete horse shit or not. I left you speechless. No, you didn't. Jackie Zoo's left you speechless. <laughs> no, it didn't. The results Where's of Jackie Where's the ooze in this picture? Huh? Huh? I don't have pictures of the ooze. But you got a picture of the house. Yeah. And the ooze is there all the time. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure those pictures exist somewhere, but I could not find them. Great. There should be a picture of the ooze. Oh, trust me. There is something. There are more things coming up that makes me highly skeptical of a lot of things. So let's let's continue. Jeff, uh, one of the gentlemen that came with Dr. Taff, he seemed a little more like the skeptic of the group. He began taking pictures of the hot spots indicated by Jackie around the house. He decided to go up to the attic because of the account of the floating head. Mm -hmm. He wanted to check into that and get some pictures. So he took a look around, and as he came back out, Barry, who was the group's artist, asked him if he felt anything weird up there. Jeff said that he felt like he was being watched and had a general feeling of discomfort. So kind of exactly what Jackie felt, Mm -hmm. you know. Dark addicts, they make you feel uncomfortable. Then Barry asked Jeff if he would consider going back up there and taking shots with his camera over his shoulder. So essentially taking a picture of anything that may be behind him. Sure. Jeff agreed to the experiment and went back into the attic. This is Jeff in the picture, just so you know. Is that him running for his life? Hold on, we're getting there. He looks pretty scared. Yeah, he will be. Jeff went back into the attic, and the others in the house were kind of, at this point, uh, split up into groups, and they were all kind of looking around and taking pictures and discussing things that have happened, and all of a sudden, they heard Jeff let out a panicked scream from the attic. Everyone ran to the laundry room to see Jeff coming out of the attic, flustered and without his camera. Jeff said that, quote, that fucking thing took the camera right out of my hands, unquote. He described it as though there was a rope around his camera and someone yanked on the rope, pulling the camera across the room out of his hands. Across the attic. Yeah, it's a room. It's an enclosed indoor area. So it's in the attic now, up there somewhere. Yep. At this point, Barry, the cameraman... And Jeff decided to go back up into the attic to retrieve the camera. But Barry will also take his recording equipment up and his own camera so that he can try to document where they find the stuff and what's going on. Just in case anything else happens. When they get back in the attic, it took them 45 minutes to find the pieces of Jeff's camera. The body of the camera had been the furthest, had been in the furthest corner from the entrance and the lens had been removed and was on the opposite side of the room. Now, I had a camera like that, right? Where the lenses go on to the body. Yeah, they were all like that. Right. So I know that when you put that lens on, it turns and it clicks into place. So yeah. I don't know if, like, I chucked my camera across the room and the impact from hitting the floor could pop off. I don't. That lens. There's no need to explain what happened. Well, I'm just wondering if it's possible that he got scared through it, it hit the floor, slid, and the lens popped off and rolled across the room. Uh, if you threw it hard enough for the lens to end up from one side of the attic You'd to the other, the camera the cam- there'd be nothing left. Right. So it is kind of odd that it took him a long time to find both pieces of it. Or the creature it. that's dexterous enough to remove the camera from his hands 
also has the ability to remove the lens. That's that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that's what's being implied here. Yeah, the poltergeist did not like the camera in one piece. Right. Right. And he also wanted to hide it. Did the poltergeist <laughs> leave the film in it? Yes. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> he took any selfies. <laughs> they should have checked. During the search for the camera... Barry's equipment kept shutting off and failing entirely, but when he would lower the camera or the equipment down the hole and out of the attic, it would immediately begin to work again. Also, while in the attic, Barry witnessed Jeff get pushed from behind and let out a yell. Jeff says that the hand that pushed him felt about five times the size of a regular adult hand and super bony. On his back. On his back. Mm. can't tell that. Well, he said it felt enormous and bony. He doesn't know that. Well, that's what he said. If I poke you with a stick in your back Mm -hmm. and I tell you it's a knife, you'll think it's a knife and you'll think I'm stabbing you. Yeah, but you could feel like where the palm is and where the fingers are and you could assess. No, you can't. Yeah, you can. Not on your back. Yes, you can. No, you can't. I beg to differ. We can experiment like this. You could tell if something was small on your back or large on your back. That's because about it. Because it would take it. up more area. Well, that's what he's saying. But then go, oh, it's bony. And... Okay, well. Come on. Okay, let's throw that part out. But he could definitely tell if it was something bigger than just a hand. I'll like agree just to a that. Hand. Okay, that's all I want. Yeah. He knew it was bigger. Five times the size of a regular hand. So like the entire size of his back. Pretty much. He also claims to have seen lights and orbs zooming around in the darkness, as well as a large shadow of something or someone. This is starting to become too much bullshit in one story. Oh, you liked it at the beginning? It's getting fake now. Yeah, wait. Wait for it. This is like when the con man's got you going, and he can't just take the money he's fleecing from you. He's got to keep on going. Yeah. Because he's enjoying the con too much. Oh, yeah. He's spinning a web. This is beyond the web. This is like, you've already got them. It's like selling past the sale. Same idea. Yeah. Oh, we're still selling. Yeah, we're selling hard now. We're really... We are open. Okay. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Then what happened? (laughs) In addition, he manages to get a picture of one of the lights, and everyone in or near the attic claims to have smelled an odor that was so strong and awful that it actually affected some of the crew and seemed to change the atmosphere of the house. Rotten potatoes will definitely do that. <laughs> I agree. Also, I feel like saying that an odor changed the atmosphere of the the house, like the feel of the house. I no feel like kidding. any kind of odor would change the way you feel about your house because generally my house smells nice and pleasant and it's cozy and it's warm and i really like it in here I and can, it makes me happy i can but, change the character of the atmosphere yes, from time to time but if you let one rip in a small enclosed room the atmosphere of my room would change drastically it will leave an impression too yeah yeah so i feel like that comment was a little bit stupid again general knowledge selling past the sale yes if your house smells bad it's probably not a dirty. Great, it's probably dirty. It's not a great atmosphere. All right. So uh, confused and a little shaken, the crew, Jackie and her friends, gather back in the kitchen to discuss all of the activity that they had just experienced. All of a sudden, they hear loud walking footsteps coming from above them in the attic. All right. So they decide after the footsteps kind of dissipate and they don't hear them anymore, they decide that's it for the day. They're, they're done investigating. It's been a long, a long day and very exciting. So um, they decide to regroup again and uh, investigate some more on a different day. So on September 4th, uh, 1989, the investigation continued. Cameras and lighting were set up in the laundry room facing the attic opening to see if they can record anything on film. Jeff and Barry go back into the attic. Jeff goes up first. Uh, Barry follows him, and he stays a few feet from the entrance opening, pretty much in plain view of the other people down below because he is talking with them and kind of telling them what's going on. So he is only just a few feet from the opening, and Jeff is wandering around kind of investigating some more up there. Why stay a few feet from any door 
Are you going to run away from the ghost that literally does not care about physical boundaries? Do you think staying near the door or far from the door or anywhere in the house makes you any safer than any other spot? I mean, yes, I would do that for sure. If it was an animal, that would be true or a person, but a ghost doesn't matter. A chubby man's floating head still doesn't matter. I agree. I mean, I he was I think he was just standing there like relaying information to them. Like they were asking him things and he was talking to Jeff. So I think he was just kind of the guy filming answering questions. Okay. So after looking around for some time, the two men decide to come down. As Barry takes one step towards the opening, he hears Jeff make a startled noise and looks back to see a cord wrapped around Jeff's neck and appeared to be pulling him upward in what looked like an attempt to strangle him. Cool. Wish I could have seen that. Larry snapped a photo of what was happening and rushed over to help him and realized that the cord had been looped around a large nail sticking out of the rafter next to Jeff. Barry manages to get Jeff unhooked and back down out of the attic. So this is a picture of Jeff. Now I have two pictures. Um, It says that Barry snapped a picture of Jeff when he realized something was happening. Now I just want to know what kind of friend does that. I, I don't know that in my brain I'd be like, oh, you're in distress. Let me stop and take a picture and then unhook you. And right. I can already tell by your face you're thinking what I'm thinking. It's Photoshop. I could do that. Well, it's not even Photoshop. There's a lot of slack in that cord. He's slumped down, so he's taller. He could easily hook a cord around that and then kind of slump forward a little bit and hold on to her after and fake that whole photo. Yeah, it's fake. So here's the other photo, because Barry says he snaps a photo and then runs to help his buddy, right? Well, here's a photo from another angle. Where did that photo come from? He was like, oh, hold on, I don't know if the first one took it. You know, back then we didn't have digital cameras, so he just was like, let me take another one. That's cheesy. Right? And it's completely different. He has his leg over... Yeah, he's just laying on the th- on the rafter with his head smushed up the against rafter, the ceiling. The, I don't know whatever part part of a ceiling you call that. Right, but... I knew when I showed you these pictures, you were going to be like, "No." I mean, yeah, look, he looks pretty chill there. That yeah, looks he's like, just standing there. That looks like a shot right after he hooked his neck up to the nail, and he's like, "Okay, this next shot, I'm going to act real like something scary." This is almost like the before shot, is what it looks like to me. It's also a very short rope. Yeah. Which you would not. But if he were standing up straight, he could easily. Well, I mean, if you were hooked someone up and then you were going to drag them up and hang them on a nail, you wouldn't have a rope that was eight inches long. Yeah, this was just like a little piece of cord or wire. Yeah, like a telephone cord. Yeah. Anyway, yes. So everyone below um, had heard the commotion and looked up to see Jeff coming out of the attic with what looked like a cord or a wire around his neck. He was pale, he was sweaty, he was shaking, and his glasses were missing. You know, I'd be sweaty and shaking too after staging a photo like that. Because it's probably hot in that attic in the middle of the year. You've gone skeptic. In California. Uh, These pictures really screamed like, not real to me. Look them up at home. You'll probably agree if you don't let me know about it. After explaining what happened and showing everyone the large round uh, red marks around his neck, Jeff left the house and refused to return. Something else happened like right after this whole Jeff being strangled by the fat man head in the attic situation with uh, the baby girl. And it didn't seem... It didn't seem like anything to me, so I didn't really write it in in my notes. But I did want to mention that Jackie seemed to think that this was something, and it just didn't seem like anything to me. So the the her her son and her daughter, who was a baby and in a car seat, were out on the front porch. And now there was a lot of people around. It wasn't like they were left out on the front porch to fend for themselves. And Jackie was running in and out. A lot of people were around. So they were just out on the porch to be out of the house in case something happened. Um, well, at some point, uh, Susan 
walked up on the porch and noticed that the little girl in the car seat had some kind of like red mark on her forehead. Mm -hmm. And this was right after the attempted strangulation in the attic. Um, So she hollers for Jackie. Jackie runs out and she takes a look at her and there's just like bright reddish pink mark on her forehead. So Jackie thinks that this has something to do with moments previously her saying whatever was in the house don't don't mess with her kids don't touch her kids whatever so she does say in the interview that this red mark was not an injury of any kind what it seemed to be was more like a colored oil or lipstick on the child's forehead so i just don't think this is anything i think that The neighbor was used to watching the children and, you know, everyone wants to kiss a baby and somebody with lipstick. (laughs) Well, everybody but you. And someone with lipstick bent over and kissed the baby because she was cute and tried to wipe the lipstick off, didn't get it all. And I just don't think it's a big deal. So (laughs) I put it in there just because it's in the story and it seemed to be a big deal to her, but it just did not. Well, you know, like, it depends how old the baby is, but. She was like four months old. Yeah, she's old enough to scratch herself injure herself well it wasn't Babies an injury do that. you know they put the gloves on them and stuff it wasn't sometimes. an injury it was lipstick or leave a mark or whatever the baby was putting lipstick on oh i'm just saying yeah i mean she could have injured her own face but this wasn't even an injury this was like somebody gave her a smooch tried to wipe it off and didn't succeed so this definitely caused jackie to freak out and um pretty immediately after that she moved out of the house entirely now I kept wondering why she didn't just move out of the house when, you know, months ago when really crazy stuff started happening. But she did say that she would have moved out way sooner, but she just didn't have the money to. She didn't have the means to. Moving costs money. And after all of this and after the attempted strangulation, Jackie decides to move out of the house. Her estranged husband, Al, uh, offered to let... Al's back, buddy. Your favorite guy, Al. What do you want, pig? So, at this point, Al has uh, got himself a trailer. Good for Al. And uh, Al offers to let Jackie move in with him into his trailer in Wielden, California, about 300 miles north of San Pedro. Uh, She moved in with the kids, and everything, everything seemed fine for a few months after that. But in April of 1990, one night when Jackie was helping a neighbor move a TV into their shed, she said that she saw the screen flicker on. Now, they were carrying this TV and it wasn't plugged in, so there's no reason the screen should be flickering. But she said that she she claimed to see the image of the old man from the San Pedro Mm -hmm. house, a.k.a. evil 90s grunge grandpa Joe, in the TV. They then started hearing loud bangs coming from inside the shed, similar to what they had heard in the attic of the other house. I mean, aren't all loud bangs pretty similar in one way or another? Yes. Good call. In the trailer, she had seen a shapeless black form in the hallway, like in the San Pedro house. Uh, Jackie was not the only one to have witnessed some of these incidences. Jackie ended up calling Dr. Taff and Jeff and Barry, and the three of them decided to travel north to continue their investigation. So well done. Yes. And I don't know why Jeff would want to do this, because he's had a couple of bad experiences. Because he faked it all, and he needs some more fakery. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking it's more, uh, he needs more publicity publicity they they, it's died down did they get publicity from this at the time yeah it was in the paper oh it was in a few papers okay yeah but with that picture but they never got any money like jackie never like monetarily benefited from this at all well what about dr taft jeff and barry you don't think they did well taft's name got in the paper so i'm sure it was how many phone calls do you think he got a lot probably yeah a few at least got a bump in paranormal business and he probably charges a little bit too yeah yeah I'm sure. I'm sure it doesn't cost nothing, but... I mean, film is expensive. Right? It was back then. They uh, travel up to see Jackie and uh, see what's going on with her now in this new location. And they go, and they are kind of hoping to provoke the spirit that, that had been at the other house. So they decide that they're going to have a seance. Boy, these guys are serious, aren't they? Yes. 
They are going to have a seance using a Ouija board with Jackie in an attempt to contact what or whomever was tormenting her. Do you think that's like a Milton Bradley Ouija board? Or is it like a professional Ouija board, you know, made by like four professional Ouija people? Like hand carved out of fancy walnut? Mm, Well, I just mean like, you know. No, I'm pretty sure it was Milton Bradley. It's like made out of stainless steel or... Billet aluminum. I've never titanium, seen one made maybe. Out of titanium. Actually, no. I think something like platinum or silver would be better because it's very conductive. It's conductive, yeah. yeah. Not that titanium and aluminum and to draw, all those other metals aren't conductive. You're trying to draw well. on spirits. You definitely need. I mean, a you need something special. You don't just need a injection molded piece of garbage. It's like fiberboard. It's like cardboard. No, they're plastic. Aren't no, they're they? cardboard. Cardboard. Yeah, pretty much. No conductive at all. No. I wonder the damn things never worked for us. Wow. You don't believe in anything. I mean, so. shouldn't like a real Ouija board need some like liquid nitrogen somehow or another to work? You should work on that. Super definitely. conducting. Magnets. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah, they should definitely have magnets. Tesla coils. Uh-huh. They'd, high they voltage. Would, they would always work if they had magnets. If your hair doesn't stand up when you turn that thing on, it ain't going to work. <laughs> I can tell you that for sure. When you make one of these, I want one. I don't like Ouija boards. I don't use them. We don't have one, but I would I would have that. That okay. would be amazing. I'm just asking, you know, maybe these guys have a picture of their Ouija board they use. I don't think they do. I think it was cardboard. <sighs> Sad. So they're using the Ouija board and they ask questions. And as they're asking questions, the table that they were using began to shake. Candles flickered and the room got drastically colder. The group succeeds in contacting the spirit that Jackie had been tormented by months ago, and they claim to have made contact with the apparition that had been appearing to Jackie. Which one? The fat-headed man or Grandpa? Well, it seems like there was a bunch of different things going on. We don't know if Grandpa Joe was actually the one doing any tormenting or if he was just hanging. like Fathead Grandpa Joe or is it two different ones? No, I think the Fathead thing was something. They didn't specify this. Fathead guy was something different. I feel like that one didn't land, so they just kind of conveniently forgot about Fathead. Right. You know what I mean? They weren't getting any traction with Fathead. No, but Grandpa Joe really stuck with me. Because everyone else at the time had been watching Willy Wonka too. (laughs) So there's a lot more relation, like a way to relate there. Right. Right? Yeah. It's fresh in everyone's mind. Everyone loves grandpas and candy. They should have gone whole hog and just said it looked just like Gene Wilder. (laughs) That would have been, that would have worked even better. That would have been amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been great. If Gene Wilder haunted me, I would never try and seance his ass away. I'd be like, Gene, come hang out with us. I would love to be haunted by Sing me a song. Please, lull me to sleep. Tell me a story. Rub my back. (laughs) With your giant 5X man hands. Bony 5X man hands. Maybe the guy in the attic was Gene Wilder. Gene Wilder was not a large man, I don't think. Why is the whole cast of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory haunting this woman? Because they were on TV when these people were cooking this bullshit up. (laughs) Oh, that's good. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm definitely with you there. So... (laughs) Not just thinking about Gene Walter. <laughs> and I can't like, take it. Here are my demands. <laughs> I know, right? Okay. So the entity that they were talking to identified itself as the spirit of a sailor. Where we're going, no one knows. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Best poem ever. That was great. Okay, um... He identified himself as a sailor who was murdered in the San Pedro Harbor in 1930. He was allegedly drowned in the bay. He also claimed that his killer had lived in Jackie's bungalow in San Pedro. It also told them that several other spirits were haunting the area and Jeff had been targeted in the attack because he looked like the spirit's murderer. I have a feeling that house was built well after 1930, just by looking at it. I guess it could be a 20s. I looked into the alleged guy who got murdered in the bay, and I was able to verify that there was a sailor that was named Herman Hendrickson who 
1930, it was found drowned in San Pedro Bay. Okay. There was a paper article about it, and it said, quote, He is believed to have fallen overboard. An autopsy examination made yesterday by the county revealed that the death was caused by a fractured skull and drowning. The fractured skull is believed to have been received when Hendrickson fell off the lumber dock while attempting to board his ship, unquote. So there's no mention of murder in it at all, but there is some validity to someone drowning. He's a lumber jack, though. Yeah. Yeah, he was. So... Plaid. Plaid shirt. I'm sure that ship was going up to Portland or up into the Sound where they would pick up all the lumber. That's yeah. how they used to move all that lumber around. It'd be interesting to see a picture of this Hendrickson guy to see if he resembles uh, Grandpa Joe at all. Because that that's your smoking gun right there. But it, it doesn't say anything about him being murdered. So, so what else did the spirit have to say? So the spirit also said that it had been using Jackie for her energy. And again, during the seance, Jeff was attacked by an unseen force, leaving him physically okay, but with some well-warranted paranoia. Because there was no real closure on this incident, Jackie decided to move again. But that again. was closure. Uh, I think things kept happening after that even. And it attacked Jeff again. So they didn't really feel like there was any closure. Plus, they also didn't close that Ouija board out. You know that didn't happen. So he's still pissed. Well, then I guess asking him to stop didn't work. Did Did they they even ask him? Right. Did they even close the Ouija board out? That's what I'm saying. They just left that hole wide open. Why didn't they just ask the guy like, hey, is there, you know, I mean, sucks. You've been stuck here and you're dead. And I think you could... Knock it off. Quit, or maybe we could do something to help you out. Quit being a shithead. Maybe offer you, I don't know, someone else's sister-in-law to suck the energy off of them, or I don't know. Would you like a candy bar? We'll give you and anything. like, why do you keep attacking Jeff? And he probably just, he's just a real fuckface, that's all. Because uh, Jeff looked like the guy who murdered him. Oh, but he's not. But the combination of that uh, being the killer's house that she lived in, and Jeff happening to look like the killer really made this guy angry i find it strange that the spirit can be so eloquent and yet so unreasonable at the same time anyway she moves well and and she's moving out of al's house Mm -hmm. again at this point so she moves again and in june 1990 she moved to a rental now get this on 7th street in san pedro Her previous house was on 11th Street. So she literally, here's 11th and here's 7th. So she she literally moved a few blocks from where the other house was, according to Google Maps. And I could be wrong. It could have been like clear down 7th on the other end of town. But it does seem like she moved awful close to where the other house was. She had a priest immediately bless the new property before she even moved in um, because she was that paranoid about it. But it didn't seem to work as she continued to see glowing orbs. Now, that's kind of about the last of what we hear was happening with Jackie. It was just she was seeing some orbs. Now, later that year at Barry Conrad's house, he was experiencing some activity of his own. Objects would be mysteriously moved to different places in his house. His stove burners would turn on by themselves. He found a broom standing on top of the stove at one point, and scissors would fly across the kitchen. He even found a pair of scissors under one of his bed pillows. He was being pushed and even had scratches to show for it. Sure. The activity came to pretty much a halt after this for Barry and for Jackie. Apparently, however, the bungalow on 11th Street in San Pedro continues to have reports of poltergeist activity from renters and owners. Why don't we just send them a letter and ask them? They don't still live there. Somebody lives there. I did also read that no one has... Now, I mean, this is just alleged. It's probably not even true. But that no one has been able to live in the house for more than six months at a time without running off. Why is everything a cliche with this story? Right. Are you having some red flag syndrome? Everything is a cliche. It's all a red flag. I Maybe know. this is where all the cliches came from. This is the root story. Could be. So, yeah, that's that's it. So what did you think of our story? It's like every bad horror movie. Like, yeah. they put that in every bad horror movie. It, 
I agree. It also seemed fairly fictional to me. Yeah. And the fact that, I mean, I couldn't really find a ton of pictures. I found a few pictures of the inside of the house, a few pictures of people standing around. The one or two photos of Jeff in the attic. Clearly that a staged very photo. staged to me. I, I And if that thing's pushing him around, it's like yeah. at first, oh, first he's too afraid. He leaps out. He's not going back in. And then all of a sudden he's in there hanging by his neck. Yeah. And he's fine being up there after that. Right, like, right. Oh, really? Yeah. So uh, this was also uh, a story that got picked up by Unsolved Mysteries and was on oh, Unsolved nice. Mysteries. And it has been covered by a bunch of other TV shows. So it was a pretty widely dispersed story. But I thought that it was pretty interesting. Not all true mysteries will be solved. But all lies will forever remain unsolved. And who said that? Me. (laughs) Okay. So I guess we don't know enough to know what the hell happened. Nothing good, I can tell you that. All right, say goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye. Do you have a story about something paranormal, mysterious, an encounter maybe that you'll never forget? If you'd like me to read your story at the end of an episode, please email me at wthh.podcast at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing your stories.